Hey, good morning, DCF family. We're so glad you're with us this morning. And um, we are going to be ready to worship here in just a minute. And um, there was just such a great time this morning in our um, praying and coming together. And, you know, we've been doing a community group on gifts of the Spirit. And so um, the Holy Spirit, when we come together, always has an agenda for us. He wants to love on his broad. He wants to encourage us. He wants to have tender affection over our lives. And so that's because it's who he is. And so this morning, um, you know, we kind of felt like maybe it's time for us to get a little bit out of our comfort zone on some things, you know, of like, what is the Lord saying to us? How do we share them? Uh, having, you know, t- being willing to take some risk. I think that the Lord is always communicating to us his heart for us and Um, That doesn't just happen to or from the leaders. It also happens from you because what we know is that the body has this beautiful ability to hear what the Lord is saying, first to themselves individually, but then also what does he want to share about his heart with us collectively together as a body? So if you this morning feel like you have something that would minister to this local body, then there will be someone, my husband and I will be up here up front And we would love for you to come and share that with us so that we can administrate those um, words um, very well. So as we um, get ready to worship this morning, will you stand with me? And um, we are going to turn our heart's affection towards our King, the one who loves us the most. He knows us the best, and he loves us the most. Is that not incredible? I don't know about you guys, but that just in and of itself of a nutshell um, is powerful. He knows me best. And he loves me the most. So, amen. Father, we come this morning, and Lord, we thank you for your great love and your great kindness over our lives. Lord, thank you that you have proven your great love for us by sending your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you that, Jesus, you died on the cross, and you created a way that was open access for us to the Father anytime we want. So this morning we say we want to be enveloped with the love of God this morning. And Lord, we want to hear you. We want to hear your voice clearly. And Lord, we are just excited to be with you, that you are our heart's delight. And that is a response because you have declared that we are your delight. Lord, we worship you this morning. Come and move among us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Oh, you're able. 
Don't you get shy on me Lift up your song Got a lion inside of the fountain Get up and praise the Lord So come on my soul Don't you get shy on me Lift up your song Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs Get up and praise the Lord Come on So come on my soul Don't you get shy on me Lift up your song it interesting that um, we can find ourselves in the middle of battles or we can find ourselves in certain circumstances that are just pressing against us. And there's, um, Loretta had a picture of how there was a skeleton, but there was water that began to just wash over the skeleton. And in that, that it began to turn to oil or that oil began to flow. And I love that the Bible says that times of refreshing come in the presence of the Lord. And this morning, there is an opportunity for you and I to shift an internal compass or an internal gauge that will bring life to us and will begin to be life flowing in us and through us. And there is something the Bible says to enter his gates with thanksgiving in your in your uh, thanksgiving, sorry, my brain just went lock, 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 enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart and his courts with praise. And so this morning, I want to trust the Lord with you that there is a shift and there is a breakthrough in your internal being 
as you praise and worship the Lord and have gratitude about who he is and what he has brought you through in the past and declaring who he is already and the victories that he has for you in the future. And so this morning, there's the Spirit of God calling to the Spirit of God inside of you in this place of gratefulness, in this place of, I'm going to lift up a song of praise to the King who is worthy regardless of my circumstance and where I find myself. Because it's amazing how that will shift something in your in your being and how you get and you gain a different perspective of who he is in the midst of your circumstance. David often wrote of the Psalms of like his enemies were all around him. It's like they were about to get him. I mean, in the battles and the wars that he went through. But there was always this declaration of who God had been for him. And he leaned into the testimony of the goodness of God in his life. And it caused a place of gratitude in him to well up. So this morning, let that lion of the Spirit of God in you roar praise and gratitude this morning. Because it breaks things off of you. It breaks, if nothing else, it your, your circumstance not, may not change when you go home, but it shifts something about who God is for you in your internal being of trusting and knowing Him and loving Him and His character and His nature towards you. So this morning, we're going to continue in this song, and let's worship with a heart of gratitude that is powerful.
think there's a, Diane was talking to me just a second ago, and one of the dangers when we, um, this song is an amazing song, and, and it's really, really good. It's where the Lord is moving in us now. But if we're not careful, when we hear the words of a song, we can interpret them through our lens. So we can interpret them through whatever we're feeling or sensing. And so when, when the song says, I know it's not much, and then another phase says, all that I have, Think of it this way, because the danger is it turns into, oh, Lord, I'm so pitiful, and it's just a pittance, and it's just all I can offer, and all I have is this. So uh, during prayer this morning, I had a picture. I didn't share it, but I had this picture because I wasn't quite ready, uh, and now I understand why. So I had this picture of, of a bully um, picking on a kid in a, in a front yard, and the little kid is, we, we got a little, um, we got a tiny little dog that's about, what, three to six pounds. It's so tiny. It's a little toy poodle. But she thinks she's like a Rottweiler. So she, I mean, she's fierce. She will go after anything. I, I pulled in the backyard with my riding lawnmower for the first time, and she attacked me. I'm not even kidding, right? So she thinks she's amazing. But part of that is she's got a big sister, right, a little dog, who will come to her, her aid, and she's also got us who will rescue her if she gets herself in trouble. And the picture I had is this little boy in a yard, and there was a bully, and he was picking on him. And, and rather than run away... The little boy bowed up his, you know, his back, and he just walked out there, and he said, you want some of this? <laughs> and the bully was like, oh, you're going to be so easy to just take out. So he starts to walk towards him, and he, and he looks behind him, and his dad's standing there. And his dad's a big, muscular guy. And the little boy says, you want some of this? And what he meant was, do you want some of that? Right? So I, want, I just want to remind you, all that you have is that. It's him. And in your praise, the Bible says he comes, he dwells within the praises of his people. There's something about the manifest presence that he wants to break through in your life. And we were talking about that one of the senses this morning about it's time to, to stand up. It's time to push into realms we've not walked into yet. It's time to stand up and go, it, it, it's time for the Lord to see breakthrough in people's lives and in mine. And I'm going to stand up and go, you want some of this? It's time to push back against the challenges that the enemy has in your life. If you're struggling this morning, welcome to Human Life 101. All of us are struggling to some degree or another. Maybe yours is worse, but I want to remind you, the depth of your struggle is not the answer, right? The answer is the strength of your God. So I want to pray, and we go back in, in, as we worship. We finish our worship time this morning. I want you to take a new attitude. Karen was pushing into this, and we need to lean into this as a church. If you're feeling pitiful, it's time to rise up. You can feel pitiful all you want. But just remember who's standing behind you. Remember who's inside you, right? God, the God of the universe dwells inside of you, and He is for you, not against you. The Bible says everything the enemy builds against you, every weapon, not a single one of them will prosper. How does that work? Because you don't back down. Scripture says, having done all, stand. And it sounds like that's a defensive measure, but I'm telling you it's not. Having done everything you can do, do not back down. And I've sensed this many times in my life, my walk with the Lord. I'm leaning into hurricane winds. And I feel like I'm Superman about to take off. But I just don't back down. And you know what happens? Breakthrough every single time. So I just want to pray over this and go, and, and let's, let's lean in and go, Lord, my place, I have to take my place. And my place is a much-loved son of the Most High God. You've given me power. You've given me gifts. you poured out your spirit inside of me. You give me the, the, the ministry of, of praise. And you, the word says that you inhabit that praise. And I, I just want to pray into this because I feel like God's taken us somewhere this morning before we finish in worship. Lord, we just come in Jesus' name. Lord, and we say thank you, Lord, that you have positioned us, Lord. 
You have positioned us in heavenly places. Lord, we sit with you, Lord, in heavenly places. We reign with you in heavenly places. Jesus, you have come in every strength that you had. Everything that you had, Lord, you have given it to us as a gift. And so we receive that. We receive your righteousness, Lord. We receive your power, Lord. We receive your wisdom. Lord, we receive your breakthrough, Lord. And we take a stand against the enemy, Lord. Not in a defensive posture, but Lord, we lean into the wind and say, we will not back down from what the Lord has promised us, what he's encouraged us in. Lord, we will step in to everything the enemy might be throwing to us. We know, Lord. When we take that stand that you are with us and you are for us, Lord, and the enemy will back down. So we say that in Jesus' name this morning. As we were worshiping, I saw us in battle. And we were all, all there, all in battle. And I heard the most amazing praises coming from us. And I heard the word battle cry, so I looked it up. And it's a word or phrase shouted by soldiers going into battle to express solidarity and intimidate the enemy. So we're intimidating him with our praises. So um, I just wanted to share that.
Lord, right now in this house, Lord God, we plead the blood of Jesus over every disease, Lord, over every sickness, Lord God. We come in the name of Jesus. We break the power of the enemy. We break his back in Jesus' name. The declaration in this house, Lord, is that healing is the children's inheritance, Lord God. Sons and daughters in this house, Lord, we release healing in the name of Jesus. We break cancer, Lord. We break blindness, Lord. We break muscular diseases, Lord. We break autoimmune diseases, Lord, in the powerful name of Jesus. And we plead the blood of Jesus over every body in this house, Lord, this morning. God, that there would be freedom for the sons and daughters, God. There would be freedom, Lord God, that you are our defense, Lord God. You are our shelter. You are the freedom in this house, Lord, this morning. That there is a battle cry in the Spirit, Lord. That we will take everything that the enemy has stolen, Lord God, this morning. God, thank you that you have given us the authority, Lord, to break the enemy, Lord, to break through into the enemy's camps, Lord, this morning, God, that we will break through together with a battle cry, Lord, that we plead the blood of Jesus that is more than enough. It is more than enough for all time, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus in this moment over every sickness and disease in Jesus' name.
we're going to stay on this song. What do you need to plead the blood of Jesus over in your life? There is power in your words this morning of what you declare and what you speak by the power of the blood of Jesus. So this morning we're staying on this song. This is what we're going to end with. We're going to do it for a few more minutes because I'll tell you something. There is nothing more precious than the blood of Jesus. There is nothing more precious than the blood of Jesus. Nothing else has paid for your freedom like the blood of Jesus. Nothing else has paid for your wholeness like the blood of Jesus. Nothing else has redeemed you from every shame and every sickness and every disease. The blood of Jesus. 
this morning there is power on your lips to declare the blood of Jesus for whatever circumstance and whatever situation you find yourself in. This is a moment to connect with the kingdom of God in your life, in your circumstance. Plead the blood of Jesus over what's out of order in your life. Amen. So as we kind of as we kind of get get ready to wrap up our worship time, this is what we want to do. We've been pleading the blood over ourselves. I don't know about you, but I've been doing that the whole time. Lord, I have some needs. I have some struggles. I have some challenges. How many of you guys know giant killing is a team sport? Anybody know that this morning? So what we're going to do is we end our worship time today. We're going to plead the blood over the, over other people. So what I want you to do is take a minute before you just rush off to pray for someone. A couple things. One is take a minute and pray. Say, Lord, is there somebody here? be somebody that you're connected to. It might be a new person. Treat that accordingly. If it's a new person, don't run up and, you know, get crazy and, you know, lay hands on them suddenly and freak them out. Ask them if you can put your hands on them. It's a helpful thing. Let's just be, you know, considered. But pray with passion. Pray trusting the Lord is going to give you words of knowledge, words of wisdom, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, gifts of healings. God wants to move through us on our brothers and our sisters' behalf. So as we wrap this up, just take a second and pray. Think about who in this room could I could really use the blood of Jesus pleaded over them, reminding the enemies, not just them, but reminding the enemies of their soul that Jesus' blood paid for it all. And then trust the Lord for words of knowledge, input, encouragement that's going to lift them up and help them find that breakthrough this morning. The Lord wants to move in power, but He wants to move through you and I often. So let's let Him do that this morning. Amen? So Lord, as we pray for one another, 
Jesus, you said this is part of what the body brings. And Lord, we can come, not with just our own prayers, although those are wonderful, but Lord, we can come listening to your voice, Lord, to echo your voice, to echo your heartbeat, to echo the battle, Lord, that you are fighting on their behalf, Lord. We can trust you for manifestation gifts of your spirit, breakthrough power in people's lives, Lord. You want to do that in us and you want to move in us. So Lord, as we pray for one another, Lord, let it not just be our own heart that we pray with, but we pray with the strength and the power of Almighty God within us and then through us. We trust you this morning for breakthrough in other people's lives. In Jesus' name.
your blood poured out for us draws us near to the heart of the Father, draws us close to his presence, keeps us close to his presence, keeps us close to his heart. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you are doing and what you've done in us this morning. Thank you that sons and daughters know and experience the love of a good father this morning. Lord, that that's who you are for us. 
that the blood of Jesus has restored us in righteousness to the Father. Lord, we worship you and we honor you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence among us. We bless you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, y'all. Yeah, there's good things in store for us as a church family. So we are excited that you are with us this morning. If you're a guest with us, we would love for you to go to dothancf.com, do a connection card. And so we would love to get to know you and you get to know us a little bit. Also this morning after service, we'll be at the back, some of our leaders, so you can connect with us and um, just find a little bit about us, our story. And we'd love to hear your story. I think that that's what's powerful is story and who we are and where we come from and the great things that God has done in our lives. And um, we want to hear that. Those things matter. So um, next week, next Sunday, we're going to have Maladen with us. Uh, Maladen is a pastor in Bosnia. He has been a part of this DCF family um, since about the mid-90s. And so we love the relationship that we have with them. And, you know, COVID kind of threw things across the world a little bit wonky. And so we are excited about him being with us and what our future with him and that nation looks like moving forward. And we're glad that you are here and you get to be a part of that with us. Um, We are going to be doing our Christmas Hope, and we will do that November the 5th. We want to let you all know about that ahead of time. We are collectively, as a church, going to be a part of Fostering Hope's project, Christmas Hope, and we are going to sponsor five children together as a church family. We've got all the details. They're up on our website. They are also um, uh, went out in a newsletter. So if you need information, again, you can do a connection card and you can keep pace with all the events and things that are going on with us in our local church body. Um, Friendsgiving, just mark it down. November the 12th, we're going to have lightweight, low-maintenance, fun uh, picnic lunch here on the grounds with games and cornhole and, you know, yard darts, things like that. So just kind of be paying attention to those kind of things where, It's more than just some of the spiritual side that we have as a family with doing community groups and our grace teams. It's also how we get together and we laugh and have fun and enjoy being with one another and just um, gathering around fellowship and friendship and food. So um, ways to give is online or in person in the box. And we are so glad that you are generous because that's what allows us to be able to minister to one another and see each other's lives transformed. So thank you for that. And we're going to get ready to dismiss our youth and our kids. We're going to be taking them um, to their classrooms. And there's no junior Holy Spirit. So he loves to move through them, to love on them, and to share his heart with them at the age that they are at right now. And they are the church of this generation, not the future. They are the church of today. And we love them. And so um, Dave's going to be right back with a message for all of us. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Wave at me. Man, we, we have a lot of kids and youth, don't we? Because the room feels empty when they leave. <laughs> um, before I get started with my message, we've been doing a series uh, called uh, Why Does the Local Church Matter? But Before I jump into that uh, next part of that, I uh, just want to take a minute and remind everybody we have been uh, doing uh, membership classes and talking about membership as a church for quite a long time. There's a couple reasons for that. If you're new here, um, you can be a part of this as well. Um, we did, when we came here 14 years ago, we did not establish 
um, an official membership, as it were. And, and there was a reason for that. Part of it was we wanted to make sure that as we built the foundations of the church, we built the foundations organically. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Uh, we built it organically as opposed to um, um, just doing the typical stuff. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to create, create a different culture. And I believe we've done that. And the culture was uh, a family of families on mission. That's what we're aiming for. So you're a family, but you're not a disconnected family. And if you're single, you're still a family, but you could be a part of a bigger family. And so that's been a passion of us, of ours since, um, since the beginning. And truly, that was a passion of DCF in, in its founding. And so as we kind of moved forward, we, we felt like this was a season where we said, you know what, I think it's time to do that and to make it official. So we've been organic for a long time, and a lot of you guys would say, hey, man, I've been a member. I don't know what else I have to do to be a member. You know, I'm here all the time. I'm serving. I'm doing all these, I give, you know, all these things. So like, like what else I got to do? Well, there, you know, we're going to have you handle snakes. No, I'm just kidding. We don't, we, we do that in community groups. So we say, no, I'm just kidding. We don't do that at all. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, I don't know if this is the right church for me. Um, so, so we got a lot, a lot of things that we've been doing. Uh, we, we've done membership classes three, uh, sorry, two times already, two separate times. Those are three typical classes on a Sunday morning, um, about us, membership 101 and 102. So about us is just kind of letting you know our DNA, who we are, kind of how we operate as a church, a little bit about our government and our leadership. Uh, church membership 101 is what is it, what does it mean? If you want to, if you feel like you're joining this family, what does it actually mean to do that? And so we're going to be talking about that as we kind of go forward. Uh, and then uh, membership 102 is how do, how do you and your gifts and your callings fit in with the gift and calling of this church to the local area and to the world? And so that's just where that intersection happens. So we talk about that in those d- three different classes. But I also preached a series called Belonging uh, several months ago. And in that series, I went through each one of those classes more in a sermon-type way. So if you're saying, you know what, I think I, I, think I probably already am a member, and you are. We'll call you, we, we're calling you guys legacy members. You've been membership, you know, everything but sign on the dotted line. Well, now you get to sign on the dotted line. So, like, part of that is, well, why? Why are we doing this? And so a big part of that is to really get clear on who you are and, and your role in the local church, who we are as leaders. So your, your responsibility to the family, our responsibility as leaders to the family, and how all that works together. Because we feel like God has some real, real big plans for us as a local church, as a movement in our city and the region, and, and ultimately into the earth. And so we believe that what God is doing through us, in us, and through us is so amazing that we ought to duplicate that. <laughs> so we've already church, uh, planted a church in the last 14 years. We were able to plant a church even as small as we were, which is awesome and incredible. And the church is flying, and they're going to be back visiting probably during the holidays. And so if we can get them up here, we're going to get them to share some of the testimonies that are going on. Uh, recently, that church plant uh, was meeting in another church because they didn't have a location. This is in Greenville, South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, whatever, they're the same to me. So anyway, one of the Carolinas, <laughs> I'm probably going to get hate mail for that. Um, but they, they've been looking for a place of their own, and so they've been praying, you know, and that's a part of growth. And they found a, a facility that's right near a major um, interstate-type section in the city, um, not too far from the downtown area. It's huge. It's massive. It was a strip club. <laughs> and so they have literally started cleaning it out. It's a multi-million dollar endeavor. They have launched into this. Anyway, God's just doing incredible things, so it's super exciting about what's happening. So that's been something that we have done as a church, and we want to do that again and again and again and again. We want to raise up leaders. We want to send them out. We want to raise up leaders, and we want to grow here. We want to become a church that's a resource church 
that can begin to push out into the world, push out in the darkness, and take the light of the gospel, God's grace, the power of his spirit, the maturity of what it means to walk in his power, and we want to we move that out into the places that God's called us to have um, influence. So if you're interested in that, you can go to the website. We're going to put a QR code up here because um, I don't know what that means, but the, all the young people in the church said, we need QR codes, so I'm like, okay. So there there you go, you have a QR code. So all you have to do is point your camera at that, click on it, and it'll take you to a, to a site that lets you sign up. And the reason why we want to do that is it's also got a place where it says, it, it'll just say a little drop-down list, yes, I want to be a member, and put your information in. If you're already in the database, I think it'll bring it up. Is that right, Jeremy? So it'll just bring up your information so you don't have to fill it in, and you can just click on it and say, yes, I want to be a member. And, and what we're going to do is on November the 5th, we're going to bring legacy members to the front, which means probably the only, only guests are going to be the only ones out there, which is going to be weird for them, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll explain it when we get there. Uh, and we're going to bring legacy members into membership. There's another drop-down, part of that drop-down, though, that says, um, I'm, I, I want to get more information. And so what we'll do is if you put that in there, you have questions about how we do things or whatever, um, I would encourage you, again, go back and watch the series, the About Us part, the Belonging series, About Us, Membership 101 and 102, because we're really serious about making sure that you understand what it is you are signing up for because it challenges us, us to take responsibility and oversee you well and lead you well. And we've been making plans. We actually had a leadership team this weekend uh, on Saturday night. And we're having conversations about how we can do that well. And we're, we're moving into it. So we're growing. We're seeing God do amazing things. Um, the prophetic words over us, the future is, is exploding. One of them is about a, a beautiful picture. It was called a super bloom. And one of the church, one of the churches out in Greenville, when we went out there to, to their, do their initial service, one of the pastors prayed over us, and he said, man, I just see a super bloom. And he goes, if you don't know what that is, and I didn't, <laughs> he said, it's when the desert is barren and a flood of rain comes in, and all the things that were waiting there to bloom explode all at once. And I was like, I don't know why I didn't know what that is, because that's amazing. What a beautiful picture. And that's a promise over us as a church. But he's not going to do that because I'm such an amazing preacher, although I am. He's going to do that. Because you guys are stepping into the place of what it means to, to be the body of Christ, to be the church, to be the ones that God sent here to be on mission with Jesus and do great things. So we're going to be talking about that through this series. But you can sign up or you can say, hey, I need some information, and one of our leaders will get with you. And then again, November 5th, um, we're going we're gonna to pray over our members, and we're going to start that process. And then the following Sunday, if you're new to DCF and you're like, you know, I've had a couple of weeks to look into this, watch the, the series, and yeah, I'm all in, or I have questions, you want to uh, contact us and talk about that, we're happy to do that. And then on the following Sunday, any new members who want to come be a part of DCF, because, you know, now all the old members are a week old, <laughs> so they're ready to receive new members. <laughs> anyway, I know it's kind of weird, but we're, but we're excited about this, and we feel like this is just marking something as we move into the future that's going to really, in many, many ways, just be symbolic to releasing us to all the inheritance that God has. So it's a super exciting time for us at the church as we grow, and we're trusting the Lord for incredible things as we move forward. So be praying into that and what that looks like. All right, so I want to preach a series or preach a message this morning from the series we've been doing. And uh, last week, uh, um, we talked a lot about kind of what the church was and, and the why of the church is really what we went after. And today I want to talk about the who of the church. So, so who is the church? Because so often we think about the church, we think about this building, um, or we think about a denomination or, or a fellowship of churches, and we say, that's the church. Karen calls me sometimes and she says, hey, where are you? And I have two offices. One is back there um, near the cafe 
and it's great office. I love it. I got a view, and the squirrels run up and down all the time, and, and it drives me crazy, but I love them. And, and then my other office is at Mural City Coffee Company downtown. So if you want to see, that's where I work a lot because, it, it's, again, it's just different. I put my headphones on, which all the young people know don't bother me, and that's just, I, I'm learning a lot from the young people at Mural City, by the way. Thinking seriously about getting some tattoos, and anyway, but that's another story. But I'm excited because, again, as we go into the who, what, why the local church matters. I, we have literally seen people um, be a part of church for most of their lives. And if you were to ask them, why does the local church matter? I, I, I'm telling you, it's amazing to me because I've done it. They don't know. Like they sort of do, but they don't. And I think sometimes when you don't know the, you know the why or the who or the what or the methods or any of those things, if you don't know those things, so often we just get in that rut. You ever, you ever left work, drove all the way home, and you get pulling into your driveway at the house, and you're like, I don't remember that trip. Anybody ever done that? That's what happens in church world sometimes if we're not careful. We just get in a rut, and you know, the, the old saying is a rut is just a grave with both ends knocked out, right? And so if, if, we're, if we're intentional, what begins to happen is everything that God meant for us to walk into in the inheritance that he has for us as believers, is found in the local church. It was Jesus' idea. He said, I'm going to build my church, and what? The gates of hell will not stand against it, right? That was not a defensive maneuver. That was, that's an offensive maneuver when you read that scripture, by the way. And so it's, it's pretty important. Jesus goes after it in a big way. And so I want to answer a lot of the questions about, about membership and why the local church, why you should plug into a family. And so there's a bunch of questions that are floating around out there about every 10 years or so, there's a movement that says, you know, I really don't need church. As long as I got Jesus, this is how it usually goes. They'll say, do I, do I really need to be a part of a local church to be a Christian? Let me answer that unequivocally. No, 100% no, you do not have to be part of a local church to be a Christian. <laughs> Let me give you a, a, a case in point in the Bible there are two thieves on either side of Jesus. You guys know the story. One of them curses him. The other one recognizes, you know, that he's actually, Jesus is actually dying a righteous death, and he's dying because of what he deserves. He, he rebukes the other thief, and he turns to Jesus, and all he said was, Lord, will you remember me when you go into paradise? And because he believed in Jesus, like he's got minutes left to live, he believed in Jesus. Jesus turns around to him and assures him of his salvation. And he says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise, right? I would have really loved if I was a thief to have heard, you're gonna get down off this cross. You're gonna be part of an amazing church plant in South Carolina. God's gonna move. You're gonna buy a strip club, right? You're gonna tell the story about how you were on the cross and you got down. <laughs> That's not what happened, unfortunately for him. But I'll bet, if his lot in life was to get down off that cross, that would have been the conversation Jesus would have had. So do you have to be a, a, a Christian? I mean, do you have to go to church to be a Christian? No, but you should. <laughs> so that's gonna be the next question. Do I need to be a part of the local church to be saved? The answer is no. Do I need to be a part of a local church to be obedient? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. Don't be a disobedient Christian. You will be lonely and alone and the enemy will pick on you and beat the living daylights out of you and that will be your lot in life your whole life i was lonely the whole time you're going to get up to heaven and you go jesus thank you so much i can finally come into heaven and just oh this is the most amazing thing in the world and jesus is going to go you know you could have had that on earth right <laughs> 
I know, that's hard. That's tough. I should move on. So what's the greatest danger of growing up in a dysfunctional family? My wife grew up in a dysfunctional family. So did I. Hers was worse. And we joke all the time, if you look up dysfunctional family in the Bible, it was the family portrait of Karen and her family. And so she said, I did not know how broken we were till I went to my best friend's uh, house in high school. Her, dad, her mom and dad were pastoring a church, godly people. Um, she's literally still friends with this, this girl to, today. So am I. We graduate in the same class. But her name's Tammy, and Tammy was amazing. She was an incredible believer, one of, the, one of the truest, most authentic Christians I ever met. She's been that way her entire life. Her family's amazing in a million different ways. She benefited from growing up in an amazing, healthy, functional you know, whole family. And Karen said, when I sat down to dinner with them, she said, the awareness that, that came over me was both exciting and terrifying at the same time. She said, I was not even aware that I was part of a dysfunctional family. And so that began in many ways, her journey into who Jesus was for her and what he wanted to do to rescue her. Karen, out of all of her family, I believe is the only um, woman in her family that has not been divorced. She had an aunt. Uh, we ministered her. She ended up giving her life to Christ at one point, and um, she, she didn't plug into church, and so she's been struggling ever since. But I'm not kidding when I say this. She's been married so many times that we, can't, we have lost count. It's in the teens somewhere. And so, and, and so we would have the conversation, you know, because they're family, and we get there sometimes, and we're like, um, seems like you've been married a lot. I mean, you know, like, like two is a lot, but I mean, you know, 14 times. I'm, and I'm like, what, what's going on? She goes, it's men. I'm like, totally. I'm <laughs> Clearly, it's men. That's exactly what the problem is. But do y'all understand? So, far, so what happens as the local church, so often you don't know what you're missing until you come into a family. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. We had a, a picture last week about, um, about uh, I forget the, the, the story, but the, the movie version of it, it shows a little orphan boy in England in the 1800s looking through a plate glass window at a family having Christmas dinner. And he's out there, and he's cold, and he's just, you know, it's awful. He's lonely. And, and somebody inside the, the picture, and this was the picture we had last week, somebody inside the room sees the little boy looking through the plate glass window and comes and opens the door and welcomes him in. That is what God's calling us. When he calls us to be a part of a family, that's what he meant. But some of us have been part of a dysfunctional family. We've been all kinds of broken, and I mean the church. Bad leadership, immature leadership. Um, some horrible things that have happened. I've heard stories. We talk about when we, when we talk in leadership, we talk about sheep diseases, things we have to protect people from, gossip. You know, the Bible talks about, um, you know, sexual sin, and you got to stay away from those things that you can't get. That's, a, that's like a contagious disease that you have to be really careful about that coming into the church and taking hold, right? Um, and so you have to be careful of that. But the worst kind of sheep disease isn't a sheep disease. It's a shepherd disease. It's the worst possible scenario because it's the one that's supposed to bring protection and oversee and love and represent the father and all those things and you know this if your father was not so good just even in your natural family you know the struggle you have your relationship with God if you didn't have a good father so what is the church what does that look like the word that, that is used so many times in scripture for this especially in the new testament is ecclesia and it literally just means the called out ones isn't that a beautiful picture 
the called out ones. Like there's, there's the whole world and it's moving about and it's broken and it's dysfunctional and it's fighting. And it's, I mean, you see this all over the news right now. You see all this happening and, and God comes and he says, I want to call some of you guys out and I want to make you separate. He did that first through the nation of Israel. We're seeing prophecy unfold in front of our eyes right now. Some people are a little bit scared. The Bible says when you see these things happening, in other words, the end of time, you see all this stuff happening, it literally says, look up because your redemption is drawing close. It's a positive thing. It's like, oh, what's going to happen? Like we talk about all the time, what's the worst thing that happens to a, a person if you pray for them and they don't get healed as a Christian? The answer is the consolation prize is pretty good. You ever think about that? Like what happens if I don't get healed? You go to heaven and then you do get healed, right? We, we trust that the Lord wants to heal today and we're pressing in and we want to see more of that. That's part of what a whole functioning family does is we lean into those kind of things to bring health and wholeness because it's been, like Karen prayed this morning, it's the bread of the children, it's the inheritance of the children, those things, right? So this is a part of it. The called out ones, ecclesia, the body, the assembly. It's not just the invisible worldwide big C church. We talk about the church like that, but it's the local, visible, powerful congregation. The people here, God looked at this world and he said, you know what Dothan needs? Dothan needs DCF. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to form this out of a bunch of teenagers in the 70s who don't even know what church is, and I'm going to throw them all together. They're going to get saved. They're going to go into some churches, and because they're hippies, nobody wants them. And so they're going to form their own church, even though they didn't really want to. And that was the foundation of DCF. You guys are the products of hippies, every one of you. Right? I know, isn't that good? <laughs> What's really fun is, funny is the guys who were part of that, they're all now the accountants and doctors and lawyers, and I'm like, you, you became the man. You know, you're fighting the man. Anyway, but, <laughs> but this, is, this is what I'm saying. There's, there's something that God said, I see into the city, and I long to pour out DCF. Every church in our city, by the way, every healthy, um, life-giving church, because some churches are not healthy and not life-giving, let's be honest, but every healthy and life-giving church, we celebrate. Now, maybe they don't have all the valves open like we open the valves of the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are churches in our city that are still life-giving and amazing churches, and they just have all those closed off because somebody told them in the past that that's no longer available to them. You know what happens when you pray for those guys and have a word of knowledge? The valve gets turned on whether the denomination or the church wants it to or not. We see this happen all the time. We, we, we were talking with, with a, a person who helps us as a church in a professional capacity. And he said, you no longer, he said, I, I used to be a cessationist until I started meeting with you and Karen about 14 years ago. And I'm like, I'm so sorry I ruined your life. He goes, well, it's not ruined. It's been pretty amazing, actually. Right? So you, that's what happens. The called out ones bring light in every, way, every place they can. And God will move in us as a church to the capacity that we allow him to. We want his manifest presence. That's awesome. If you want an immature response to the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a dysfunctional church. You need to know that. It's what the whole book of 1 Corinthians was written to a church that was moving powerfully in the gifts. And he literally said to, him, to them, your, your meetings are doing more harm than good. So we can't be a dysfunctional church. We need to be a healthy whole family. And that starts ultimately with the leaders. And so we're going to get into that in just a second. But there's, there's a sense that God calls us out in so many ways. This is Acts 2.42, and it paints a picture of the early church. It says, and they, talking about the church, the, the called out ones, they devoted themselves. That's such a strong word, devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. 
I love that. It's not just two fellowship. Let's hang out together. No, the church was called the fellowship. It's part of where Dothan Christian Fellowship got its name. Fellowship's not a popular word right now. I get that, right? So we, we, people ask, like, what's the name of your church? And I, I tell them, and I see the look on their face like, that's a really long, that's a lot of syllables and consonants and stuff. And I was like, I know. I'm like, you know why we called it Dothan Christian Fellowship? And they're like, why? I said, we, could, we couldn't think of a longer name. Did <laughs> you know what they don't do? They don't ever forget Dothan Christian Fellowship. Anyway, that's another story. So what is God doing? He's looking, at, he's looking at a people, and he calls them out. This is what Ecclesia means. So I put this on the screen. God takes you out of the world. He takes the world out of you, and he puts you back into the world. The biggest challenge for local churches is not the first two. Although that second one can sometimes be a challenge, right? Like they want to keep the world in them. They want to hold the same uh, thought processes, the whole thinking. And the Bible says you can't do that. You, to repent means to take on a new mind, to think differently, to think like God. So, so God actually thinks he's in charge of the church. <laughs> and so many leaders, not many, some leaders, decide that they would rather be in charge of the church. I had somebody come to me one time. They said, man, it must, must be nice being an elder. You get to do anything you want. I said, you obviously don't understand the role of elder, <laughs> right? We don't get to do that. Our, our whole thing is submitting to the Spirit of God who made us overseers. That's our goal every single Sunday morning, every time we have a leadership meeting. Our goal is to say, Lord, what are you doing? We want to help administrate that. That's what you called us to. So what does Scripture say about the church? I mean, it's all over the place. 77 times in the New Testament this word appears. It's over, the overwhelming majority of those references is to a local fellowship of baptized believers who came together around common Bible doctrine and truth for the common purpose of fulfilling the Great Commission. Notice, I, I put that phrase up there, God takes you out of the world, he takes the world out of you, and then what does he do? He puts you back in the world. You know what we've turned into? We've turned into, um, there was a movement, and you see monasteries all the time, like especially in Europe. You know why the monasteries existed? Because they got the first two parts of that and forgot the last part. So, so they said, you know what? God takes the world out of me and never puts me back in the world. And so they would just sit there and go, mm, for years, literally years, and have funny haircuts. And I'm like, I don't know what it is about the church when they start getting weird, start getting strange hairs. Just something that happened in, in the 70s. I mean, it's just, it's just a bad idea, right? So these guys, they, they, they separate themselves from the world because the Bible says, come out and be ye separate, says the Lord, right? And I will receive you. That's truth. But the whole point of coming, having that taken out of us is so that we could be different. We could be what the Bible calls salt. How many of you guys know you don't put steak on a steak? Although I like the idea of it <laughs> as a man. What do you put on steak? You put salt on, you put salt on vegetables because nobody should eat vegetables. I don't know who came up with that idea, but broccoli was from the devil. I'm sure of it. Definitely, um, what's that one that starts with a C that I hate so much? I'm pretty sure it's poison. Yeah, whatever that is. Anyway, the whole point is, <laughs> I don't even know what the point is. I got off on such a tangent. So the idea is that, that salt is going to change the flavor of something, and the world desperately needs salt. If you're going to be the church, hear this, because this is part of your, the challenge that we, it's the glory that we live into as the church, but it's also an incredible challenge. You cannot be like the world. The world doesn't need another world to look at. It needs something that's outside of this world, something that's above it, something that's more powerful, something that rescues me from this world. That's what, that's what the world needs. And you and I 
are that truth to the world. Some of you guys are the only Bible your friends are ever going to read. And so it matters. And it matters to be friends with broken, unchurched people. I joke all the time with people. I'm like, if you're going to be missional, you're going to have to learn how to, to, to hear the F word and not lose your ever-loving Southern conservative mind. I didn't say use it. Don't do that. We had an elder who, who got a hold of grace, and, and this was in South, South Africa, some relating churches that we were connected to. And he was just going around, just he felt his freedom, so he's just dropping the F-bomb on Sunday morning. And I'm like, and a bunch of brothers got together and said, are you an idiot? And he said, I'm free. He goes, you're free. That's true. But you're not free to do that. You're free from that. And see, as a, as a church, we know that. We know what holiness looks like. That's why we preach grace so much, because we try to put ourselves under the law. And you know what it does? It drives us to more of the law because the law can never save you. It can never rescue. It can only paint a picture of where you truly are. You need a Savior. And the Savior won't just slow the ride down of your brokenness and your hurt and the challenges in your relationships and your finances and every other thing. Jesus will actually let you off the ride. That's a big deal. And you and I carry that into every connection, every relationship that we have. So make friends with unchurched people, right? So the New Testament is filled with letters to local churches, Romans, uh, Corinthians, Galatians. These are all local churches. You see them all throughout Scripture. Ephesians 5, 20, 25, and 27, Jesus himself gives himself for the church. He, it starts out with husbands, love your wives. Why? Because it's a picture of something else. Just as, how do you love your wife as a husband? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's what the church is. Jesus has given himself up for you and I. And he wants, listen to what he says. And this is what he wants to do. He wants to make her holy. He wants to cleanse her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church. Not some wimpy, wussy, you know, I'm just barely getting by church. No, a radiant, victorious, powerful church. And that is not what we come into the church with. But hopefully we leave that behind and take this on. And it goes on, it says, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Have you tried doing that with the law? Because it will not work. But grace, the Bible says, when we accept Jesus, when we understand the new covenant and what it's all about, what Jesus paid for on the cross, that the law would lead this, us to a place where we know we're broken and sinful and we can't come before God because he's holy and I'm not. Jesus comes and says, I want to give myself up for her. I want to lay my life down. Perfect sacrifice. The blood of a perfect lamb, not a lamb. And thousands and maybe even millions of lambs and, and goats and bulls that were sacrificing. God says over and over, I am not pleased with that. That is not why I'm doing this. I don't want that. I want you and your sin is in the way. So this has to come in the meantime, just so I can come and be with you. And then a day comes, the Bible says, when Jesus dies on the cross and in the temple where all this had been going on symbolically for a thousand years or more, the Bible says it's the, it's the moment when the lamb is being slain, the blood of a, of, of a lamb, and the Jesus' blood is being spilled. And the Bible says the, the curtain tears from the top to the bottom, symbolizing God is saying, no longer do you have to come to me this way. I am opening a way so that there's no longer a place where you can't come because your sin is going to be paid for. Now you have to decide what you're gonna do with that. But your sin has been paid for. Whether you've received forgiveness and salvation or not, that's on what you do with what Jesus did on the cross. All of us have to make that decision. 
It's a powerful, powerful thing. The local Ephesian church, this is interesting because Jesus addresses the seven local churches, those, those uh, Ephesians and, and, and all these churches that he was talking to were big, healthy, powerful churches for the most part. But Jesus goes to each one of them and he talks to what the Bible calls the messenger of the church. And, and, and the, we, we read it in our translation, it says the angel, and we have this idea because there's angels all over the book of Revelation, that Jesus is talking to the angel, the heavenly being who oversees that church. It's not how that works. This word just means messenger. The same word is used of John the Baptist as a messenger. It's not always just used for angels. And so listen to this now. It says to the angel of the church in Ephesus. So who is this? He's, it's not an angel in heaven because he's holding this person accountable for this church. So how do we do church at DCF? We, do, we are an eldership-led church because we believe that's what Scripture teaches us. What does that mean? There's a plurality of elders. We have always have multiple elders. Why? It brings perspective, different strengths, different pasts, different histories, different experience, different gifts, different passions. All these things come together to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches and do what he says to administrate in this local church what God wants to do. To your benefit, actually, Scripture talks about. And so it's a beautiful picture. And so he comes, Jesus comes to this angel and he says to the angel of the church in Ephesus, he says to John, write to the, to the lead elder of this church. Why? Because he's holding that eldership team accountable. How? Through the lead guy. God always puts a leader in place. You see this with archangels. You see it with high priests. There's never, he talks about in a marriage, even though the, the, you know, uh, the, there was brokenness in the garden and the Bible talks about the wife being continually subject to her husband, the Bible talks about because of what Jesus does, he restores that. But even after he restores that equality in leadership in the home, he still says that I'm going to hold a husband accountable for his family. So what does that look like? It's, it, the only way we can understand it in the natural is like King Arthur's round table. King Arthur and David did this. This is where the story of King Arthur came from was King David. What is the leadership of a church supposed to look like? The only natural example is this. King Arthur, clearly the king, appointed by God. Everybody knows he's the king. He's powerful. He's an incredible swordsman. He's an amazing warrior, right? Everybody knows that. Remember King David? He killed a giant as a teenager. Like, this dude's bad, right? This guy's tough. And then there's scripture that talks about David's mighty men. And then in the story and the legend of King Arthur, there are stories about the other knights of the round table. And every single one of those knights are legends in their own right. In the story of David, every one of the mighty men were legends. One of my favorite, we shared it in the prayer times this morning, is a guy named Benaiah. The Bible says that he didn't even rise to the top three. He was so powerful, but he didn't, he didn't even rise to the top three. There was a different role that they all played. But he was powerful, and it says about him, he went down into a pit with a lion on a snowy day. And I'm like, somebody needs to make a movie about that. A snowy day. You're not going to climb out of that pit very easily. There's a lion in there. He didn't have to get in the pit. Why did he get in the pit? Because he was so bad. He was looking at that thing going, I'm going to jump in that pit and that, because that lion needs to die. Because what happens if someone who's not as strong as me falls in that pit? I'm going to go in that pit and in the power and the strength of God and everything that he's given me, one of us is not coming out of that pit alive. And I'm like, I want to hang out with guys like Benaya. Don't you? That's what God called as leaders of, of the church, the elders of the church. They're legends and they're powerful in their own right. 
And then there's King Arthur, a round table, plurality of eldership. But God is always going to hold a leader accountable, and he does this. I've, I, I've been married to Karen for 37 years now in November. It's been a glorious ride, and sometimes there's a few bumps. It threw a bunch of stuff out of the truck, and we had to go back and pick it up, okay? That's the r- real life of marriage. That's what happened. But she is the most powerful woman I think I know. I know some others that may be, uh, I don't know them very well. I just know how powerful Karen is. When she, when she submits, if she ever says, you know, I, I need to come into submission to your leadership. Now, what does that even mean? That's a whole other series that we can talk about. Because for her to submit to me is a gift from her. Because she is not a small person. She has capacity. She has power. She has strength in her own right. And so many times, and then the Bible says, this is where that, that plurality comes. The Bible says, in, in the scripture I was reading just a minute ago in Ephesians, was talking about marriage. Submit to one another. There are times when I submit to Karen. Why? She's, a, she's prophetic. She's intuitive. She's got a personality that will make friends with anything that makes eye contact with her. She's amazing in a million different ways. And some places in her life, she, her competencies, her capacities, and her strengths are higher than mine. And then there are other places where mine are high, and we submit one to another. But at the end of the day, the Lord's going to come to me, like in this scripture, and go, Dave, I have this against you. I love these things that you've done in your family, but I have this against you. And that's a powerful thing. So listen to what he says. And I'm, I set that up in a huge way on purpose. He says, to the angel of the church, to the leader, if you're leading a family, if you're leading a business, whatever, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write this. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Powerful imagery. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but they are not and have found them false. And I love it. He goes after that and says, well done in that arena. And then he says this, because Jesus never says anything bad to you, right? He never challenges you. He's always just, he's always got his, I don't know why, but in all the pictures, he's like this. He's holding a little lamb and he's like this. And the guy was a carpenter. His forearms were probably twice the size of mine. He, he, he worked with stone, not just wood. And he didn't hold his fingers like this. I promise you he didn't, okay? My point is, he was a manly man, okay? It says, in his right hand, walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, this is the glorified Christ. It says, I know your deeds, your hard work. He goes after that. And then he says this in verse 3. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name. He's given, he's given honor where honors due. And then he says this. And have not grown weary yet. I hold this against you. This is the New Testament. This is the New Covenant. He's coming to a local church, and he's saying, I I love the thing. There's so many amazing things that your church is known for. It's beautiful. There have been words over us as a church. You will not just be known for the quantity of your ministry. You will be known for the quality of your ministry. And we love that, and we lean in. We want to be mature. We want to be strong. We also want to release everybody into their inheritance. But it goes on. It says, you persevered. I'm sorry, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. That's that rut I was talking about as believers. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent. Think differently. Don't don't feel sorry. The answer is just, I feel terribly sorry and woe is me, Lord. That's not, I mean, fine, do that. But if you don't think differently, all you're going to do is you're going to cry a puddle of tears and you're going to get up unchanged. And that is not the picture of the church that Jesus is painting. He goes on. He says, consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, hear this. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So what does that mean? So the imagery that he's painting, remember he walks among the seven lampstands. 
He's talked about all of the churches, and he's walking amongst the lampstands. What were the lampstands? This lampstand symbolized something. They symbolized God's presence and his recognition of that congregation belonging to himself. As long as they're in submission to Jesus, they belong to Jesus. As long as you are. Again, can you be a, a Christian in sin? Of course you can. Can sinners, um, because they're, 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 they have, they have, their nature hasn't changed, because they do right things, does that make them a Christian? 100% no. Why? Because it has nothing to do with right and wrong. It has everything to do with life and death. And when you get life, you live like a person who's alive. <laughs> right? So he goes after this, and he says, I have this against you. And he comes after it, and he says, if you don't get this right, here's what's going to happen. I am going to quietly remove my presence and my recognition as you being part of my church. An Old Testament version says Ichabod was written above the, 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 the temple, and, and it meant literally the Lord's presence is no longer here. So what does that mean? It means that just because someone calls himself a church doesn't mean that they've submitted to the lordship of Jesus. And just because you call yourself a member of a church doesn't mean you have submitted yourself to the elders and the leaders of the church. I've been numerous times where people come and they want to tell me all their problems. I say, man, I totally hear it. Here's, God's, he's made me an overseer over, over you and over your family. It's my responsibility to look after you. I don't, I don't need to run your life, but I, I see some things that you should repent of. You should change your mind about and lean into this. And I say that, and, the, and they listen to it as if it's just my opinion. <laughs> and I go, man, I'm, I'm not telling you this because, you know what? It's, it's just easier to go, whatever, man, go do what you want. It's easier to do that. And I, we've leaned in with people and just tried to rescue them as leaders and challenge them, and they're like, no, nah, I don't want to hear it. I'll go, I'll, go, I'll go to another church because you're the problem. It's like my aunt said, you know, you know what's wrong with my 14 marriages? Men. That's been the problem the whole time. <laughs> what do you say to somebody like that? Nothing. You used to remove the lampstand. And that's heavy. That's heavy. There are churches who call themselves churches that Jesus is not even allowed in the room. And so because of that, he just says, not a problem. I'll, I'll be known by something, and it won't be that. So this phrase, I wrote this down, and, and put, I think I put it up here so you can see it. The church is the supernatural answer to the world's natural problems. So what is all this about? God's saying, I want a holy and a pure church. He's not looking for perfection because you can't have that. The law pointed out the fact that you're not perfect. But you can be whole and you can be mature and you can walk in holiness. And you can, you, when things happen, you have a, an attitude and a heart of repentance. That's the walk that God's called us to. And you can walk that walk with joy, not fear that you're going to be condemned, not fear that the leaders are going to beat you up. None of those things. The Bible says if someone falls into a sin, you who are mature and spiritual, you gently correct them. Why? Because you have the same capacity to fall into that sin. So be careful. It's dangerous out there, right? We all know that, which is why we need one another and why we need the power of God in our midst. The church is that. It's the supernatural answer to the world's natural problems. Ephesians 3 says it this way, and this is powerful. Look at his intent, because this is literally saying what his intent was for the church. His intent, God's intent, was that now, this was 2,000 years ago when the church was formed, now through the church, this is what's going to happen. The manifold wisdom, that means the multifaceted, all kinds of expressions of wisdom of God should be made known to who? The evil world out there? The terrible people who are doing awful things? Yes, sort of. But what's he going after? Listen to it. Well, made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. 
according to his eternal purpose, his plan was to make the church a super, supernatural beacon in a dark world. Not just to the world around them that needs ministry and needs love, but to the principalities and the powers of the air that want to preach and indoctrinate people with doc, the, what the Bible calls doctrines of demons. Doctrines that will lead people into the pit of, the he, pit of hell before they even get to hell. It will lead people into questioning their identity, questioning who they are, questioning their sexuality, questioning everything, questioning reality, questioning whether God exists, questions all those things. And the Bible says the church is the answer. It's a supernatural answer to all the natural problems. Why? Because every single natural enemy is a spiritual enemy. The Bible says we don't fight against them, though, even if they're a natural enemy. Right now, we know some of the challenges that are happening in our world. We talk about, yeah, you know, they, they need to be taken out. And we have to be careful that the, a spirit of vengeance doesn't rise up inside of us and cloud our mind for the purposes that God has for his people, right? We have to be careful of that. But it doesn't mean that we allow something that's evil. Sometimes if it, without a miracle of God, somebody's not, just not going to change. And sometimes the only way to deal with that evil is to eradicate it. And God taught that throughout the entire Old Testament. But the plan is, through the supernatural influence of God in the church. Remember Paul? Paul is going around and he's killing Christians. He's literally on a rampage going house to house killing Christians. And what happens? The church is praying. God is moving amongst them. Paul's on this journey and the Bible says he has this supernatural experience that happens. The greatest enemy of the church at the time was knocked off his donkey made blind and made to see without seeing that Jesus was the answer to everything and he had been kicking against the goads, the Bible said. He had been pushing against what Jesus was trying to do in, in his church. And let me just say this, be careful if you ever get between a man and his bride. We talk about this all the time in our eldership meetings, in our leadership meetings. We say, this bride, this, be careful how you speak to the bride. You guys are the bride of Jesus. I'm I, I come and I'm helping you. I'm helping to equip you. Jesus put me in a place of authority to speak into your life and help make you radiant and beautiful, to equip you for the work that God's called you to do. That's one of the roles. That I'm also the bride, which is weird, but, you know, I'm, but this is my role I play. But if I start getting mad at you guys and taking a stick to you, how do you think Jesus is going is, is to treat me when he comes back? He's going to like, hey, bud, how did you treat my wife last week? I'm going to go, I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to go run and hide. That's what I'm going to do. Because if I, I can tell you this, I, I can get mad at Karen, and I do sometimes. And she gets mad at me, and that's real life. But be careful what you do to my wife. And that's Jesus, right? He loves us deeply. He goes after that. i got to wrap this up. So you are the local church. The body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. I've got it in three different versions, so you don't miss it, especially the last one. But starting with the first one, New King James Version says, Now you are the body of Christ. You are the church. Right? You are the body of Christ. New Living Translation, which is not a translation, it's a paraphrase. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Each person is a part. The Message Bible, also known as the Hippie Bible, that's what I call it, because it's written way back then by a guy. It's also a, a, a paraphrase. He says, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. That's such a powerful way of translating that or paraphrasing it because what he's going after is the whole point about you being a part of the body is to recognize that you are a part of the body and that you are just as valuable as every other part. 
right? There's this awesome, awesome phrase. This is in 1 Corinthians 12, 15. It says, now, if the foot should say, think about that. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. You can say all day long that you don't matter at this church, but you matter, and you matter way more than you know. And Jesus is saying, just because you say you're not part of the body doesn't mean you're not part of the body. Everybody else may recognize it, even if you don't. And if the ear should say, like I love it, it's the foot's talking, the ear's talking. It says, because I'm not an eye, I, do not have, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But everybody wants to be an eyeball, <laughs> right? Everybody wants to be, I want to I preach and teach, and I want to do the, all these things. And I, we, we talk, Lorez, this is the second time in two weeks I've talked about your, your gift of, in your ministry of hugging. I watch, I watch Loretta hug people, including myself. I like to sneak in. I tell people all the time, I'm sneak in and go find her and hug her. Actually, I let her hug me because it's powerful. And she does something. So there's so much encouragement. There's so much love that comes through a physical act like that of hugging me. And I, I can't explain that. And I'm like, does the hugger say to the preacher, I have no need of you? Now, she's got tons of gifts. I'm just picking on that one. And the answer is, the preacher needs the hugger. <laughs> right? We need each other desperately. You get the point. So you need the local church. God does everything through relationships. There's an old adage that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Whose mama said that to them? That was, that was my mom. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Quit hanging out with that guy. He's going to drag you down, right? Or that girl. So if we, and the truth is, the reason why that's an adage is because we become like the people we spend time with. So if you're going to see your life transform, you're going to see growth and power and breakthrough in your life, you need to discover people who are going in the same direction of change that you want to establish in your own life. Plug in with God's people. If you're wondering whether you're going to ruin them because you have flaws, let me help you. <laughs> we also have flaws, right? And we're growing through it, and the Bible says iron sharpens iron. We need a roof over our heads. Over our heads. That's both a literal sense and a spiritual sense. Why? Because the local church provides spiritual covering for, for the people of God. It's not for the purpose of controlling. It's for the purpose of protection and safety and securing an environment for healthy personal growth. And it's designed to help you be released into all of the inheritance God has for you. So if I come to you and I say, hey, man, I feel like God's put a calling on your life for this. I see you being able to speak or being able to do this or lead. And you're like, I can't do that. Be careful because God, some of that is a leader. Is God's going to give them faith to come to you and go, hey, I see this in you, even if you don't see this in yourself. Right? It's a powerful understanding. But listen to this scripture. This is Hebrews 13, 17. And it helps both us as leaders and, and those who are supposed to be submitted. It says, have confidence in your leaders. Let me just... Let me just insert this in edgewise. Don't have confidence in unhealthy leaders. There's an assumption so often in Scripture that we just go past. It says, you know, submit to those who are over you in the Lord. And I remember somebody said that to me when the people who were, I'm supposed to be submitting to weren't in the Lord. They were just over me. Those are not the same things, right? We know that. We're not stupid. So it says, have confidence in your leaders, the healthy ones. The, the, Paul said numerous times, you know my manner of life. I didn't come to you and just come out of a green room and preach to you. You've seen me. You've been to my home. You've seen my argument with my wife. Well, he didn't have one, but you understand, right? Maybe he argued with his donkey. I don't know. It's probably why it threw him off. So have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. 
Submit means to come underneath another person's mission. Submit to leader's authority. You want to see your life grow when someone in authority comes to you, a healthy authority comes and says, hey man, I don't know if you see this, but some, my, my friend of mine, Andrew, the guy who planted up in, in the Carolinas, he said to me one time, he said, hey man, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but he said, you've been pretty mean to Karen this week. And I'm like, have I? Like, I really didn't think I had. So I got home, I was like, yeah, he's, he doesn't know, he's young, you know, I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm like, Pfft. so I get home, to, I didn't say that, I just get home to Karen, I'm like, hey, Andrew brought something up at lunch today. Uh, he said, man, I've been really short with you, and I said, is that true? She said, yeah, I was about to talk to you about that. Oh, I'm like, oh, thank God that Andrew did it before she did, right? <laughs> Andrew was easy compared to my wife. She's just going to tell me the truth. My, my point is, when someone comes to you and speaks something into your life, the first thing you want to do is get offended because you don't like what you see. Awesome. Get past that and grow, right? Grow up. Become everything that Jesus meant for you to be. Listen to this. Why do they do this? So why should you submit to their authority? Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. That's why we're doing membership. I want to know who I'm going to give an account for. And if, I'm just going to be, I don't know any other way to say this and just be as honest and as clear as I can. And it may come across a little hard. I'm sorry, but I don't know any other, other way to say it. If I'm not responsible for you, you're not going to listen to anything I say anyway. So I have no authority because I don't have any responsibility. If God gives me responsibility for you, I have authority. If God gives me authority in your life, I have responsibility. I can't have one without the other biblically. So if you're going to say, I'm not, don't count me in. I'm like, man, kick the tires for the next 20 years at DCF. I'm happy you're here. But I am not, I promise you, I cannot invest in you the same way I can. I, I'm called to in people that God says they're, they're submitting to you, so you have to give them direction. You are accountable for this. I'm going to hold you accountable. So keep that in mind. They keep watch over you as those who must give an account. And then it says, do this, submit to this. Why? Submit to them, why? Do this so that their work will be a joy. I have, we've had some eldership conversations. I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but I think this week sucked all the joy that it possibly could out of me, right? That's the nature of being a parent, a spiritual parent, uh, or, or an elder, a person of authority. That's just the nature of it. But you know what's awesome? When we look at somebody and we've spoken into their life, and it was tough, but they heard it, and they said, man, yeah, it's true. Tell me, what do you think? How do I move forward? Yeah, I think this is great. And they do it, and they start moving forward. We used to love this. It's like there are people that you have to scream at them to get changed. And even then, I'm pretty sure they're deaf, <laughs> right? Because they're still not changing. Other people hear a whisper from the Lord or from his leaders or from people who want to speak in, who have a gift, and they want to speak into your life. They hear a whisper, and they repent. They take on a new mind, and they launch into the inheritance that God has for them. It's a beautiful thing. So it says, do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. Why? For it will be no benefit to you. Man, love your leaders, your elders and deacons and those who are in authority, the grace team leaders. Love them and pray for them because they're, they're, they're being held accountable for their leadership in your life. Make it a joy for them, for them when they speak into your life that you hear it and you receive it and say thank you. On them, pray for them. There's so much that we could talk about that. So the local church, you need the local church, but lastly, the local church needs you. Hebrews 10, let us consider how to stir up one another and to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as the day approaches. So here's what's powerful about that. We need you. Some of you guys came here this morning. You said, man, I just, I have a need and it's got to be met. I, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen if I don't get this need met. And, and that's, I've been there more, way more than once. I'll be there again, I'm sure. But some of you came this morning and said, Lord, I can't wait to bring my strength. 
I can't wait to go into prayer time and bring a word of knowledge that we're going to put up on the screen in a minute, and it's going to break through in somebody's life, and it's going to send them on a trajectory in the promises and the inheritance of God. Some of you came in and got, like, like Loretta's, like, I can't wait to hug every single person in this church, and I'm going to find the person that wouldn't let me hug them, I'm going to hug them twice. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, I just think she, wait, Roger, you can tell us if she wakes up and says that in the mirror. I don't know. But I, I love that. And some of you guys, you're doing that already. And listen, there are seasons when you struggle, and I get it, me too. Why we have team? Why we always have team? Why we have family? Because when one person is hurting, we give that person extra attention. We give them great love. That's what we do. And we lift them up and go, put your big boy pants on. Come on now, right? It's time. It's time for you to be who God called you to be. The local church needs you and needs you desperately. Why? Because when you bring your strength, the gifts and the callings and things he's put in you, your personality, your passion, when you bring your strength, God sends his. Let me say that again. When you bring your strength, God sends his. He will work in us and he will work through us. Why does the local church matter? Because you matter. And God is longing for us to fill this room until we can't, fill the, we can't put anybody else in this room and we have to knock out this wall or that wall or that wall or go to a new location or build a balcony or build, a, I don't know how a two-story church would work, but I've seen it in, in England, whatever. But I, I'm longing for God say, I want to fill the room. Why? Because now we've got tons of spiritual mothers and fathers so I can send spiritual babies who are broken and hurting and need the milk of the word. They need gifts where people can walk alongside them and love them into their, their purpose and in their inheritance. And that's you. It can't just be the elders. It can't just be the deacons. It can't just be the grace team leaders. It's you. You are called to this. This is the work that God has given you to do. And we, our goal, our passion is to release you to the fullness of everything that God has. And when you do that, when you bring your strength on a Sunday morning, I cannot tell you how many times this has happened. I'll come and I'll pray for someone. I'll have a word. They'll start crying. They're having an encounter with God. Their life has changed. And I'll walk away and go, what a privilege it was to be the deliverer, the messenger, like the Bible talked in Ephesians or about the Ephesian church, the messenger to the church. To go, this is who our Jesus is. This is how powerful he is. He is, he is greater than anything that's in this world. He will lift you up. He will bring breakthrough. He'll heal. He'll deliver. He'll set you on the high place. He will break through in your life until you become a breakthrough in other people's lives. When you bring your strength, God sends his. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? I love my church so much. Um, I would put a bumper sticker on my, no, I wouldn't. I would not do that. <laughs> I put a sign in the yard. I, I would do that. I would totally do that. But you know what's better? Just do it. Just really love your church. Come and bring your strength. Get all that you need to grow up into everything God has for you. That's what family is all about. But as quickly as you can, what, we wanna, what we're longing for is not to raise up sons and daughters. I love that idea, but it always makes me feel better about myself because I'm always above them. You know what I really want? I want sons and daughters that have become fathers and mothers. And in some ways, I'm looking around going, do I, are you guys even needing me anymore? I'm like, I would, I'd like to speak into somebody's life, but there's no room. Everybody's already done it, right? I love that, and I long for that, and I believe that's where God has taken us. So I want to release you. I want to encourage you, be released in the fullness of God. We talk about this as a leadership team. As we do this and as we grow and as you grow and you step out in some things, you are going to make a mess. You are. You're going to say something the wrong way at a Bible study. You're going to, you're going to treat somebody the wrong way. You're going to come in mad, and you're going to be huffy. You're going, to, you're going to be a toddler at some point. All of us have been, and all of us probably will be again. 
But our passion is, if we have enough healthy mothers and fathers, we'll come to you and go, hey, look, that's spilled milk. And now it's a mess. It's got to be cleaned up. We're going to help, we're going to help you clean up the mess. I'm not going to just do it for you. I'm going to help you clean up the mess. And then I'm going to teach you to how, how to stop making messes. And I'm going to help you to teach others how to clean up their own mess until they stop making messes. And you know what's going to happen? Sons and daughters are going to become mothers and fathers who raise up mothers and fathers who raise up mothers and fathers. And it's just going to explode into the region and anywhere that God sends us in, into the world, into other cities, Whatever that looks like. And I can't tell you how, I'm, how excited I am. I've never been more excited about the season we're in as a church than I am right now. So it's, it's going to be amazing. So let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for these people. Lord, you said that we literally are your bride. Lord, that you love us so much. Lord, when you went away, you sent attendants to serve your bride. Lord, to equip her for the work that she's been called to. To help bring her into the beauty and the glory that you designed for her originally. To train her up, Lord so that she's not someone always needing protection, but, Lord, she becomes part of the one who's protecting, Lord, that she learns not how to watch another person use a sword well, but learns how to use the sword herself well. God, would you raise up your bride to be the glorious, without spot or wrinkle, victorious, powerful bride that you've called her to be? And, Lord, would the world see what it looks like in a people that is fully submitted to you? That's our passion and our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. We have these words up here on the screen. If this resonates, any of these resonate with you, we pray about this before we come in on Sunday mornings. If any of these connect with you, come up. We would love to pray for you and minister to you. If you want to pray for somebody else or talk to them, do that. Just be mindful of the, of the people who are praying. If we can have our ministry team come on up. We love you guys. Have a great weekend and a great week, and we'll see you again next Sunday.